Welcome back to the Longleaf Podcast. Today is Monday, April the 29th. Let's jump right in. So the beauty of representative democracy is that we send hundreds of people into public office and every single one has the chance to write their own proposals. We have 170 members of the General Assembly. They can each introduce legislation, which that means that every year there are a lot of nutty bills out there and this one was no exception. Democrats in particular felt pretty bold on that front and introduced a stream of controversial bills from trying to eliminate the Electoral College to shutting down all new charter schools, basically anything that Senator Wiley Nickel has his name on. Now, I don't like talking about fringe bills on either side. I like debating bills that have an actual chance of passing or actual support on one side or the other. Now, the North Carolina Democratic Party has put out a list of 11 bills they say represents their best work, what they'll move forward on immediately if they retake the majority. We'll go through them one by one in just a second. Senate will come to order. Sergeant Arms will close the doors. Members and will go to their seats. Okay, so the state Democratic Party sent out an email blast this week listing these 11 bills that we're about to talk about as fulfilling their, quote, Carolina promise. This was the nickname that the party gave their state platform this year. Essentially, this is the year that Democrats were supposed to go from just being the opposition party to a party that's actually making the affirmative case for why people should vote for them. So they sent out a list of 11 topics that they think represent what they would bring to government if they were in the majority. Basically, the implication is these bills, um, if Democrats had the majority of the General Assembly, these are the bills that they would move on first that they would immediately implement. So I'm going to go through each of the 11 and tell you why they're not as good an idea as they'd like you to think. All right, first, the first group of bills is under the heading they call our jobs, jobs-related bills. First one is reenacting the earned income tax credit, and this is part of Senate Bill 137. So the earned income tax credit, this went away in 2013 when the first major tax reform bill went through under Republicans in North Carolina. So this was part of the trade-off of dropping personal income taxes from as much as eight and a quarter percent down to five and a half percent, and now it's even down further to five and a quarter percent. So almost all taxpaying families in North Carolina have seen a significant, a significant tax drop since Republicans started passing these bills. Now the earned income tax credit is modeled after the federal program, and basically it's a cash distribution. Um, and tax abatement for low-income families. It works on a sliding scale. First, it reduces your tax liability, and then it's actually refundable, meaning you can go into the negative and get a check from the government. You can actually have a net negative taxes. So here's where the bill goes wrong. I'm not morally opposed to earned income tax credits in general because they have a strong connection to work, and they've really been shown to incentivize employment. But I'm against this because one of the reasons North Carolina's tax reform has been so successful is because it's been responsible. It maintains revenue. Revenue has gone up every year, even though tax rates have been cut. And it's it's promoted growth. It's really brought in a lot more business that's helping keeping the budget sustainable. Not every state has been able to do this. I mean, you'll see in Kansas is, is, is kind of the counterexample to tax reform gone wrong. North Carolina is the national example of how tax reform, how cutting tax rates can be a big success. But you can't do everything with those things. 
tax reform, lowering the tax rates, reduces taxes for people across the board, not just for a certain subset of people. Now, also, North Carolina Democrats have been continually calling for actual tax increases, so I don't really understand why this is their number one legislative priority is is restoring the earned income tax credit. You know, this bill would cost something like 100 million to 200 million dollars every year out of the state budget. This is money that the state government would not have that they currently have. Roy Cooper just campaigned on reversing tax cuts that save people, wouldn't you know it, between 100 million and 200 million dollars annually. That was his whole thing is we need we need this more this additional amount of money. The Democrats say this money is the difference between properly funding schools and not properly funding schools, but they're more than happy to give it away if it's to their own preferred group. All right, so that's the earned income tax credit. Number two under the R jobs from North Carolina's Democratic Party is ensuring equal pay for equal work. So this is also in Senate Bill 137 and essentially would require... um, men and women who are in the same sort of jobs to be paid the same amount Uh, and it sounds great and that's and it is kind of great because it's already federal law i mean it has been since the 1960s when all the equal rights uh, legislation was passed you can already file suit in federal court or file a complaint with the eeoc the equal employment opportunity commission I don't know exactly what they're trying to accomplish here, but the only difference I see when I read the bill is that they want the state labor department conducting investigations into all these businesses if somebody makes a complaint. Yeah, I can see this going wrong in all sorts of ways of the labor department just being in everybody's place of employment all the time. Also, this bill isn't just about equal pay. This bill, Senate Bill 137, you can go look it up and read it yourself. It is a bill full of proposals. This equal pay is just one tiny part of it. It also requires a $15 an hour minimum wage and lets public sector workers unionize. So while this particular provision isn't really the end of the world, it's attached to at least two other pieces that would be fairly devastating to North Carolina's economy. Okay, so the third and final bill that Democrats put forward as an example of their jobs agenda is passing the Equal Rights Amendment. So this it would, would have North Carolina ratify a U.S. constitutional amendment called the Equal Rights Amendment. Basically, it's um, so the Democrats describe it as making sex discrimination illegal in North Carolina and around the country. Essentially, what it would do is say that enshrined in the Constitution that there can't be any laws uh, that unfairly deprive people rights based on sex. Now, I'm not exactly sure what this has to do with jobs, but we'll talk about it anyway. Uh, This amendment, again, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst idea in the whole world, but it also ignores the fact that there are really differences between men and women. There are. They're they're, They're different. I'm not saying one is better than the other. One is not better than the other, but they are different. And sometimes there needs to be legal distinctions between men and between women. So the 14th Amendment already gives people equal rights in this country. So it's hard to say exactly what this Equal Rights Amendment would change. Um, but there's there's been plenty of legal speculation. Of course, you know laws and especially constitutional amendments, you only really know what they do when the Supreme Court has to decide what impact they have on specific cases. But there is plenty of concern that this Equal Rights Amendment could end child support. It could do away with alimony. It could eliminate any special accommodations for pregnant women in the law. 
It could eliminate any laws that protect victims of domestic violence, who are most often women. It could cut spousal benefits. It could eliminate widow benefits. So the thing here is that this passing the Equal Rights Amendment is essentially just a talking point without really a full evaluation of what the impact would be if it actually went into effect. So those are the three bills put forward as examples of what North Carolina Democrats would do with jobs and the economy. Now, to me, that's a fairly weak jobs agenda. I mean, none of these bills really does anything to help create jobs or strengthen the workforce or make people more prepared or help transition to a modern economy. Instead, it kind of deals in these brand's name social issues. So at best, it's ineffective. At worst, it's damaging some long-established legal protections for North Carolina families. All right, moving on. Part two is on health and safety. Top bill on this category won't surprise you. It's expanding Medicaid, and they like to call it cleanly expanding Medicaid. So they're trying to draw distinctions between their bill, which would just jump into Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act, and what some actual Republicans have put forward, which is essentially the same thing, but requiring having a work requirement to qualify for Medicaid expansion. Um, So we've talked about this time and time again. Medicaid expansion puts a lot at risk in the state budget, while really only accelerating the rising cost of health care without doing anything to mitigate it. So I've got several articles on Longleaf Politics talking about this. You can go read them there. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because there's a lot to get into here. All right, next. So the Democratic Party calls this next group of bills protecting the health and safety of LGBTQ plus individuals. So there's three specific bills in here. I'm going to touch on each of them briefly. Uh, Essentially, it would the first one would make sexual orientation and gender identity a protected status under the law. So federal government essentially calls race, sex, ethnicity, religion. They're all protected classes. You are not able to be discriminated in any way based on that. Um, and this would add sexual orientation and gender expression or gender identity under that category. Now, this is something that I think is best handled at the federal level And I'm honestly, I'm not a complete legal scholar on everything that goes into being a protected class. I'm really fairly libertarian on these type of issues and would not be at the top of my state legislative agenda. However, you know, presumably this could end men's and women's locker rooms at the YMCA, which I don't think many people are in favor of doing. I don't, I'm hesitant to get back into the bathroom debate because I really think it's distracting from the real issues in North Carolina. Uh, Another big part of this trio of bills is a repealing House Bill 2. Now, essentially, this has already been done. Basically, all this would do was, right now, there's a sunset provision on the ban on municipalities creating their own non-discrimination ordinances. It's already going to go expire in December 2020. This would essentially expire it right away. So, not not a huge deal there, to be honest. Um, The third part is a bill that's supposed to ban conversion therapy. So this is therapy where, uh, and there's been plenty of really horrific stories about this, where people go to these sketchy, non-reputable people and basically abuse them into trying to turn them not gay. Um, and it's really sad to read what's happened to a lot of these people. I mean, and yes, this is this is bad, this is horrible. 
I understand the rationale behind this bill. I understand and I agree that that sort of thing should not be done. But the problem with this bill is the way it's written, it could really be applied to prevent mental health professionals from even talking about somebody's gender expression or challenging them on it or really like pushing and probing and doing what therapists are supposed to do um, on gender expression and gender identity, which I think that there is a role for that in legitimate therapy. I mean, it's definitely a topic that should be addressed with, with a professional in a respectful way, in a professional way. I think really everybody could agree on that if we're honest Um, So maybe that's not the intention of this bill, but that's why I oppose this bill. All right, next under health and safety is establishing red flag laws. So essentially what these are, and they're, they're kind of in vogue around the country, is would allow people to petition the court for a judge to require uh, guns be seized from somebody who's perceived as posing a threat to themselves or somebody else. And again, I understand where this bill is coming from. In a lot of these mass shootings, these horrible, horrific, terrible mass shooting situations, the people who committed them were already on the radar of local law enforcement. They knew that they could potentially be a threat, um, but law enforcement said there was really nothing that they could do. So I struggle with this because there are already some laws on the books about seizing guns. You, You have to turn in your guns if you're charged with domestic violence or convicted of domestic violence. Um, And I understand why that's done, and I don't necessarily oppose it. But the thing I worry about with this is whether people are actually going to get a fair hearing. Because I do think it's not nothing to seize somebody's property, to seize somebody's firearms, to deprive them of a constitutional right. And I also worry about the conflicts when the sheriff actually comes to take your guns from you. I think that's putting law enforcement in a very potential uh, volatile situation. Also, we have some judges in the state, some individual rogue judges making some really crazy decisions in North Carolina. And I don't necessarily want to give individual judges this sort of sweeping power over our lives. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that this could be applied unfairly, that this could be applied unjustly, that you know, political dissidents could have their weapons seized from them. Um, I see a lot of potential danger with the red flag laws. Um, and I, I'd like to see a better thought out way of approaching this legally. All right, next bucket is schools um, and prepare to be disappointed. Um, the first bill under this category is increasing the minimum wage for school employees to $15 an hour. So this is also one of the priorities of the North Carolina Association of Educators who are rallying in the Capitol this week. So North Carolina has already increased the state minimum wage to $15 for state workers, but the law that did that exempted school personnel. So this would essentially expand the categories of people, of state employees getting $15 an hour. Now, I really prefer to let the free market make decisions like this. I think they do a much more efficient job of it. So here in Charlotte, we were having a hard time in our school district finding enough qualified bus drivers. So what did we do? We raised the pay rate to recruit more, and I believe that it had the desired effect. So that's really how things are supposed to work. If you're having trouble recruiting custodians, you raise custodian pay. If we're not having trouble, then I think it's probably best to leave the pay alone. 
that, that's all I'll say about that. All right, final under education is reinstate state retiree health benefits. So we talked about this on a previous podcast, but so this issue doesn't just apply to school employees, but essentially a few years ago, a state law ended for future, for people hired in state government in the future. This hasn't even really gone into effect yet, but state employees hired in 2021 or beyond, they will not be eligible for certain defined benefit pension plans. Um, And so basically what this would do is eliminate that sunset clause on that. Now, defined benefit does not exist in the private sector anymore. I mean, there's a reason for that. And and these sorts of plans are failing all around the country. Um, There are a lot of states that are in a lot of fiscal problems because they have these very strong defined benefit pension plans and they're bankrupting local governments around the country. I mean, these these types of pensions just don't work when people live to be 90, 100 years old. It's just the world is different. You know, these made sense 50 years ago. These were were an amazing benefit for private sector employees. And then the public sector um, copied them to recruit workers in a much different health environment and a much different world. We live in a different world. These do not work. All right. The final bucket is called Our People by the North Carolina Democratic Party, which doesn't make any sense, but we'll go with it. First proposal is, one, establishing independent redistricting. So this bill would establish a commission, a citizens commission, to help draw the lines that um, show where different politicians are going to be elected from, for the General Assembly, for Congress, etc. So I've talked about redistricting a lot, too, and this is still very much in flux with the Supreme Court uh, cases in their hands directly on North Carolina's redistricting. Now, it's always easier for the party not in power to propose independent redistricting. We'll see if Democrats would actually move on this if they ever took power in the General Assembly. But the main problem here is independent commissions don't always end up very independent. So this bill still includes political appointments of people from the major political party. So it says two Republicans, two, you know, well, it doesn't say two Republicans. It says two people with, you know, who are of the party with the most votes in whatever election. So essentially you're getting two Republicans, two Democrats, and then a bunch of quote unquote unaffiliated voters. But the problem here is you can be an unaffiliated voter and most of the time, you still have very strong partisan preferences. There are very few people who are actually independent voters. I mean, and this has been proven time and time again. If you're an unaffiliated voter, you're essentially a Democrat or a Republican who doesn't like that party label. So this really hurts independent districting. I mean, and we could we could spend hours just on this one topic because there's everything is going to be gerrymandered. The question is, what are you gerrymandering for? Are you gerrymandering to create competitive elections? And some people are in favor of that. Are you gerrymandering for one party or the other? And there's other provisions of federal law that require gerrymandering for some circumstances. For example, to have minority voters have their voices heard. So independent redistricting, hard to do. Um, probably only going to happen when judges set out a framework for it. So don't have a whole lot of hope for this type of law. Uh, Next is making it easier to register to vote. So this is Senate Bill 641 and would do two things. One, establish online voter registration and two, have automatic voter registration at the DMV. So my quick take on this was, you know, we're so worried about Russian interference in our elections that we're going to let anybody register to vote online. 
Um, you know, I'm mostly kidding about that. And in general, I'm in favor of online services. I really loved uh, what the McCrory administration was able to do to modernize the DMV in this regard. But in terms of automatic voter registration, this is, you know, when you get your driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote. I don't really see this as a huge issue that we have a problem with this because we have in the state one-stop early voting where you can register to vote and cast your ballot at the same time. It's very easy. Even if you have a sudden hankering to go to go vote, you can do that. And if you're not registered, you can register and vote at the same exact time. So I feel like the state is already doing enough to help people register to vote. But I do see potential problems with this maintaining an accurate voter file with automatic registration. I mean, also, didn't Democrats just argue that so many people don't have driver's licenses that voter ID shouldn't exist? So it's a little weird that they're saying that automatic registration at the DMV is a great idea. But I mean, beyond that, there's all sorts of data issues trying to get one system over to the other. So in total, this seems a little bit more trouble than it's worth. All right, final bill on this list is closing the consent loophole. This is Senate Bill 563. Essentially, North Carolina is one of the few states in the country where uh, legally you are not able to revoke your consent to sexual activity once you have given consent. Now, this is a good bill. I hope it passes. I think this is... There's plenty of situations where this could apply. Uh, of course, I mean, it's, it's difficult for the legal system to uh, adjudicate these sort of things. But this is a good bill. I mean, this is something that we should have in law in North Carolina. But it's also bipartisan. So one key note, I mean, this is not Democrat specific. Senator Danny Britt, a Republican, is a co-sponsor on this with Senator Jeff Jackson. Very glad that they came together to propose this. But it's probably going to happen anyway. It's already started advancing this is not something that you only get under Democrats. Republicans are on board with this as well. So in total, just to wrap things up, this is a pretty underwhelming set of bills. I mean, if this is the best that the Democratic Party has to offer, uh, it doesn't really amount to a theory of governing. It doesn't really amount to a true additional choice. Um, it's really more political talking points than any examination of what the state needs. And some of that is because the main heavy lifting in North Carolina government comes through the budget, though Governor Roy Cooper's proposed budget wasn't super visionary either. I just, I, I think Democrats are going to have a hard time with these 11 bills convincing moderate voters that Democrats have the answers, not Republicans. It's not a very strong affirmative case for the North Carolina Democratic Party. Well, thanks for sticking around for breaking down these bills. I uh, hope you learned something. Again, go over to longleafpolitics.com. You can read a lot more on several of these topics, and we'll see you again soon. So many in favor of that motion will say aye. Those opposed, no. The ayes have it. The Senate stands adjourned.